0: ESPN 97.7 at 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Bad break for the crunch. They need this one out. They do get it out of the zone by Gonsalves. Knocked down, though, with a red line by Watherspoon. Partial change for the crunch. Watherspoon back in. Three minutes to go in the third. This pass broken up. Comes to the birthday boy, Gonsalves. And he scores! First career, two-goal game. First career, short-handed goal earlier in the game. What a birthday for Gage Gonzalez! and it's 4-1 punch. Lucas Favalli on the call there, of course, voice of the Syracuse Crunch. They're uh, dropping the puck tonight at Wilkesbury scranton We'll have coverage for you right here on your home for Crunch Hockey, starting at 6.50 with a little pregame action. And uh, what do you say we uh, catch up on all things crunch? And uh, when we do that, we like to turn to our next guest. You can follow on Twitter. You can listen to the Syracuse Speaks podcast. Field pass hockey for all the latest on the Syracuse Crunch. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome her back. Alex Ackerman in the house. How are you, Alex?
1: I'm doing great. I'm here talking hockey with you. So it's got to be a good day, right? Come on.
0: Right? How does it get better than that? Not only the day, but the week. It just all goes downhill from here, Alex. (laughs) i sure hope not the weekend's coming up we got more (laughs) hockey this This, weekend this is true this is true but for now it's the highlight uh speaking of highlights this team has really turned things around they went from a stretch where they went five games winless to a little bit of a winning streak anything in particular that's uh, turned that around or just the uh ebb and flow of a hockey season what do you see
1: I think it's part of it is the ebb and flow. I also think that I'm going to borrow from one of my colleagues over at raw charge, Lee Wright, who also covers Syracuse over there. And he put forth the suggestion that that canceled game that Syracuse had against Rochester right before Christmas, because of the storm that came through the Western part of the state that weekend really seemed to throw this team off. Mm. Hockey players are very much into their routine And I think to expect a game and then all of a sudden try to go away for the holidays early, we had, I think it was um, Jack Finley got stuck in Toronto trying to get home. So there were players whose travel plans got scattered around. And I can't help but wonder if there's something to this idea that that canceled Friday night game against Rochester messed with the, the mental mindset of the team coming back from Christmas because it was really that period after that Christmas time, where it wasn't the same Syracuse crunch that fans had been watching for the previous month and a half or so.
0: That's really interesting, because when you talk about things on the ice, you typically think about things on the ice, and you're looking for how's this player doing this A, B, and C, but they have lives, and outside of hockey, you mentioned routines and everything, and that can translate uh, to something like that, and they're just kind of getting back on that, Think of, you know, when it's Christmas break, I don't even know what day it is, right? And mm-hmm. you just kinda, Then you get back into it, and now we're just kind of getting our feet back here. So, no, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's an interesting theory. Alex Barry Boulay, uh, man, most assists now in the history of the Crunch. We've seen a couple of really significant marks, of course, with Daniel Walcott getting the games played mode, and now you got uh, Alex, who's having not only a great career, another great season. He's top five in the AHL in assists. He's an all-star. Just becoming one of those names, Alex, that kind of has added himself into that conversation as, as one of the greats. But tell me how he's playing this year and what you're seeing from him that earned that all-star bit.
1: I think he's doing a lot of the things that the Lightning want him to do. And what that is translating to is all of the assists that he has managed. I think that Fans in general tend to get frustrated with him, especially this season, because his goal totals are not where we expect out of him. Last season, he had 16 goals, Uh, 2019-20, he was at 27. The year before that, he was at 34. This year, with 32 games played, he's sitting at nine. So the majority of the points that he has are coming from his assists. But I think that that's part of the plan, because a lot of what we're seeing from him is he's learning that two-way game. He's controlling in the neutral zone. He's back checking. He's doing the things that the lightning are telling him that he needs to do. And the result is that he has that team game mentality going on that perhaps wasn't quite there in his first couple of seasons with Syracuse. I think he came out of juniors really hot. I think that he was looking to make a splash. And I think that he's absorbing the lessons that the coaching staff and the lightning are trying to tell him. As you now, used- will oh, that- sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, now, will that translate into a call-up? That's a great question. <laughs>
0: that's, see, that's my question, because as you've seen through the years, and anybody that's been watching, you know, look, hockey, if you're a AAA baseball fan, there's just certain guys that just can't quite get there. Is there a path to the NHL right now? That's I mean, tough to get called up to Tampa. This is a team that mm-hmm. has had the success it's had in recent years, and there's just certain players that are just kind of waiting their turn. Is is that the situation with him, or is there a path that he can get called up?
1: I think that there's probably a path out there. I'm not convinced it's with Tampa. You know, I think that in another organization that wasn't as deep at forward as the Lightning is. He could probably be up there because the thing with Barry Boulet is that he's not going to really make an impact with the Lightning on the third or fourth line, which is probably where he's going to find himself if he does get called up. He really has to play those top minutes to make that impact, to show what he can do. And I think that right now the Lightning are figuring it's better for him to get top line minutes in Syracuse than to get third or fourth-line minutes up with them. So I can't help but wonder, you know, it seems like this has to shake out somehow. And I think that there's a path for him, but it might end up being with an organization that's just not as deep as the Lightning is. Alex
0: Ackerman joining us here. Field Pass Hockey. Follow on Twitter for all the latest. And make sure you uh, download, subscribe, follow the Syracuse Speaks podcast, all about the Crunch as well. Alex, what's going on in that? Just kind of give me the, the state of the goaltenders right now.
1: Uh, Man, I wish I could have a crystal ball to tell you what the next week with (laughs) Syracuse's net was going to bring. Because at this point in time, we have Hugo Alnafout and Max Legacy trading injuries back and forth. It seems like just as one gets healthy, the next one goes down. (laughs) Um, the backup for the team, Jack LaFontaine, who was actually looking pretty good in the minutes that he did get when, you know, LNFL and legacy were trading injuries. He looked pretty good. He is currently suspended in the American hockey league because he left the bench and engaged in an altercation. Goalie at the end fight. Of the Goalie fight. Yeah. Yeah. Hockey, something- baby. Exactly. We haven't seen that in Syracuse and for, so, you know, it was extremely entertaining, but at the same time, he still has three more games of his six game suspension in the American hockey league to serve. Right. So he's bouncing back and forth between getting time with the Orlando solar bears down in the ECHL and serving suspension time up in Syracuse when Orlando's not playing. <laughs> so, you know, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of what happened in 2017, where you had Adam Wilcox and Krister Skugleskis, who were fine. Their, their goals against averages were right about where Hugo Elnafeld is averaging this season. But the Lightning knew that fine wasn't going to cut it. And so I could see them trying something, especially at the deadline. The problem is, like, if you're looking at maybe trading Legacy, his health hasn't been great. So you have to find someone willing to take the bait and to trade what will be you know, the equivalent of another veteran goalie in that situation. So I think it's tough. I think that if the Lightning could make a move, maybe at this point in time they would. But I also think that with goaltenders, it's all about the consistency. And neither player has managed to really get those consistent games in because they've been injured so often this season. Nice. That said, the South is 10th in the league in, among all goalies right now. It's very strange.
0: It is. It's weird. And like you said, so LaFontaine gets in the fight, but he's out. Hugo and Max are going back and forth. But this kind of leads me to my next question, Alex, because when Max got healthy last year, he was the best goalie in the league, right? And it was Uh just huge. Now, they didn't get out of the first round against Laval, but he did everything he could to push that Uh team forward. So that noted. Every team's different, but do you see some of the same recipe, if you will? that the annual Ben-Grew second-half surge is, is upon us.
1: I can see it, and I honestly think that, you know, we talked about coming out of Christmas and, and some of the things that may have happened there. It seems like one of the bigger turning points for this team came during their game on January 8th against Hershey. Towards the end of the game, Syracuse lost that game 4-3, to three. and it was one of those games where it was just too little too late. Towards the end of that game, Coach Grew benched about four Syracuse players. And I went back and, and rewound the footage, and I think I figured out who it is, but I don't want to put anybody on blast, so I won't say <laughs> who I think he benched. But it was widely discussed, you know, Patrick Williams of the AHL.com talked about it, that he benched four good forwards and was just like, nope, you're done. You're done for the night. And I think that that type of tough love. Left- tough love message that coach grew is so famous for it it took that to really make it sink home because then a week later this team goes out against laval who syracuse is consistently looking for revenge against this season after the playoffs last season and put up a seven spot against them something changed
0: Last note here, Alex, and that interesting to hear that that benching here because uh, Ben grew, uh, yeah, I, I could definitely see him doing that, and it looks hopefully that will uh, look to get a spark in this team. But uh, sorry to our friends listening in the Mohawk Valley, but as of now, <laughs> Crunch kind of owned the Comets. This has been really interesting to see that they don't just beat the Comets, they beat them up when they've played this year. What's what's been the story with that?
1: The rivalry has definitely grown over the past couple of seasons. And although Utica's new affiliation with New Jersey has worked out for the most part for them, you know, they're, they're currently ahead of Syracuse in the standings. And and I think that overall, it seems like they're providing them with the firepower that they need against the rest of the North division. Syracuse seems to be there. There's a vendetta there too. You know, we talk about Laval, but I also think that the, the series against Utica last season was really, was really tough. It was very competitive. And I think that there's just enough players that are left over from that, and they know the rivalries. They know what's going to get the fans going, especially because the competition so far has been very heavily sided towards the Onondaga County War Memorial. So I think that has helped because especially at home, the Crunch really love it when they – beat Utica in front of their own fans. So it'll be interesting once the series starts shifting a little bit more equally towards the East, what will happen.
0: Alex, great stuff. Always appreciate your insight. Always great to talk to you. Uh, I'll see you at the rink soon. A little hint there, so. a, little, a little wink and a nudge. Uncle Brent's going to be at the rink coming up here a couple times soon, so definitely come by and say hello. But uh, thank you uh, for coming on and, and uh, continued uh, great work uh, covering the Crunch here, and uh, we'll definitely catch up soon.
1: Awesome. I look forward to it. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Alex. We appreciate it. Alex Ackerman, as we said, Field Pass Hockey, the Syracuse Speaks podcast, uh, one of the biggest Crunch fans out there, too, but level-headed, follows the team, follows it intelligently, and we always enjoy uh, chatting with her about the team. Now, she brought up Utica. So the Cruncher at Wilkes-Barre tonight, and of course you can hear that game right here on ESPN Syracuse, your home for Crunch Hockey. Next three games after that, at Utica Friday, home against Utica Saturday, then home against Utica the following Friday. So that rivalry has been stirring. Syracuse has owned it so far. we got three in a row coming up against the Comets. That is going to be fun. And you know what else is going to be fun? The blind side coming up next. Stay right there.